Hi everybody, welcome to Bad Science, the show that breaks down the science of a movie with a comedian and a scientist. Today we're discussing the big year. So, I'll be asking about the birds themselves, of course, the art of birding, and maybe one of our guests will play a little bit of Blackbird for us. But first, a short word from our sponsor. Bad Science Did the movie get it right? Bad Science Or will we have to fight? Hi everyone, I'm your host Ethan Edinburgh and I've got two wonderful guests joining me today. First up, he joined the Nature Conservancy in 2005 and currently serves as Associate State Director in Michigan and he's also an avid birder. Welcome to the show, Dr. Patrick Doran. Hello, how's everybody doing? Great to be here today. I'm excited for the discussion. I speak for everyone when I say that we're all great and we're excited to have you on the program. Do you have a favorite bird, Patrick? You know, um, I do. I'm partial to any kind of owls. Uh, I, I love owls, loved them since I was a little kid. Yeah. You know, as a little kid, I had a bird book, I had a big snowy owl on the picture. So pretty much a snowy owl is, is one of my favorites. And we'll talk about that today. Yes, I hope we do. I also really love owls. I don't even know why I love owls so much. I guess maybe they're like mysterious and cool to me. But let's get to our next guest. You might know him as the have a great day guy, but I know him as my old pal, Josh Starkman. Shalom, Joshua. Hello. It's not even Friday. Shalom. How are you doing? Shalom every day, baby boy. I'm, I'm ready to have a great time with you guys. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, it's always a good time to talk to you, Josh. It's uh, exciting for me. We go back a long ways. Uh, do you have a favorite bird? Probably the Anhinga. Nice. You know the Anhinga? I don't know the Anhinga. I'll look it up right now while you tell me about it. Growing up in South Florida, we saw Anhingas all the time on the canals and on the lakes. They're a water bird. Oh, yes. I recognize it now. It poses as a snake sometimes. Mm. It has that kind of vibe and it fans its wings out and dries off in sunny spots. Very cool. And that's and you relate to that. There's, that's just like you. <laughs> yeah, basically. When I take a shower, I go outside naked and I just open my arms and wait until I'm dry. And the neighbors go, what a weird snake. <laughs> there he goes again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're into it. It's a costume. New Orleans is weird. People are into it. Okay, well, before we get into everything else about the movie, I wanted to at least get some foundational knowledge about a big year. The movie is centered around a big year, which is people that are counting birds that they see, bird species. But the rules were a little bit foggy to me, and I couldn't really tell how it all started and how competitive it actually is. So, Dr. Patrick, could you tell us a little bit of what you understand about a big year? Yes, the concept of big years has been around for quite a while. So the basic idea is to see how many species you can see within a given geography in a year. Um, the focus of this mo movie focuses on all of North America. So the farthest parts of Alaska, the Aleutian Islands, all the way down to Josh just mentioned South Florida. So it really covers that whole North America. And the concept is that these birders, and it's been going on for decades, if not way back, maybe 1930s. Mm. There was a, a guy, Guy Emerson was his name, and he, he 1939 saw almost 500 bird species. Um, and then about late 60s, the American Birding Association began to kind of standardize and make rules because everybody needs a few rules to live by. <laughs> now, people do big years. They might do it for the whole country. They might do it for their county. They might do it for their backyard. They might do a big year 
um, a green big year, which means you might just walk or drive, no cars. So all kinds of little crazy rules that keep people entertained for a whole year. Wow. That is fascinating. Yeah. There's a whole culture out there about birders that we are just going to begin to understand today. <laughs> Have you ever done a big year? Um, I've done kind of maybe kind of a, a weak year or a kind of a small year or <laughs> maybe a year. major year or an awkward adolescent year. Uh, <laughs> Every year is a big year for you is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, start off with all the best intentions, but I have never done that kind of North America thing. Um, wow. As you kind of maybe saw from the movie, it takes a little, a little bit of money, uh, it takes mm. a little bit of free time, and it maybe takes a little bit of a relationship agility, um, I'd say. But, uh, mm. you know, I, I do spend time kind of keeping track of what I see every year. Right. Okay, very cool. Is that something that you aspire to? Like um, Steve Martin's character, for example, you know, he's like getting ready to retire and he, he had waited to do his big year. He keeps putting it off, putting it off. And then finally his, his wife tells him like, this is really important to you. Why don't you just check off this life goal, this bucket list thing and just take the year and go look at birds all over the country. Yeah, you're kind of leaving off the whole part that he uh, worked in Wall Street there and got called back and uh, right. probably made, made a few hundred thousand dollars for a minute of his work. Yeah, and destroyed a, a whole business, apparently. Yeah. yeah, he destroyed the ecosystem that he was working to view. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's not a small endeavor to do in North America big year. I mean, it, it, you know, you're, you're hopping on a plane at the last minute, so you're paying a lot of plane tickets, a lot of gas, a lot of times in hotels. I would love to do that, but you know, might not quite be in my means. Got it. Do you have to exclusively be an environmentalist to be an ornithologist or a bird watcher? Because if you're flying around so much, that's burning so much gasoline, <laughs> right? You're, yeah. Do you encounter that at all? Um, you know what? Uh, a couple years ago, there was a guy, Noah Stryker, who tried to do a global big year. He traveled the whole globe, planned this all out. He's got a book coming out and everything. And that obviously had a huge um, carbon footprint from all his flights around. Now, he made a dedication that was a he was conscious decision. He made a dedication to offset all those carbon offsets or offset all those bicarbon credits to offset that carbon usage and those flights. And he also made it uh, a point to broadcast, raise money for birding organizations and really use that as an educational thing. So, yeah, there's trade off. But I think mm -hmm. in the end, you're kind of making a, a an equation or a, a value judgment calculation that the the benefit coming from it of awareness and people's investments can uh, outweigh maybe potential cost of, of the carbon footprint. Right. Like what's at the soul of bird watching? Is it oh, is it man. to hunt essentially? Like you're like you might as well be a taxidermist or you're actually kind of it's a sort of praise of nature, right? And to piggyback on Josh's question, are you pissed off at him for continuously <laughs> saying bird watching like somebody was in the movie? And you know, like Steve Martin said, it's birding. Um, I, I'm not going to get as picky. And hey, you're not just happy to handle a question from Josh at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, he's just such a lovely guy. <laughs> Josh, I think at the end of the end of the movie, there was a statement in there. I, I don't know if you, you all remember this, but like, a, it's in the journey, not the destination. Mm. Birding appeals to a lot of people for a lot of reasons. For me, it's a way to experience the natural world. It's an excuse. Yeah. Whether I'm I'm on a hike someplace, I'm in my backyard, we have a, a county park next to the house here we're walking or, or skiing in lately. Um, it's, it's just another excuse to connect, to relax. You're getting all philosophical. This isn't funny at the front, but- uh, no, Let's get deep. I like going there, yeah. You know, <laughs> this past year with COVID, I spent, I literally spent hours and hours and hours in the woods. Wow listening. Uh, you get to see the change in the seasons. You get to see different birds at different times. You get to uh, 
hear and if you watch really closely, start to witness some things that people just don't see um, that you might be lucky enough to catch. Wow. You know, the heart of it also, too, I think it's a collection. I'm, I'm sure you, you all probably have some quirky collections at home or or your friends or family have quirky collections. We all kind of go after them. But, you know, at some point it is a collection, a collection of memories. It's a collection of experiences, a collection of photos for some people. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there was a, a great scene that illustrates exactly what you're talking about, where Jack Black is showing his father yeah. uh, pictures of birds and telling, you know, a story that connects with each one and where he was. Similarly to right before we started recording this, Josh was showing me guitar pedals that he has in his bathroom. And each one had a little story. He showed me a staple gun that he got from a guy in a car who sold acid. <laughs> so everything has a nice has a nice story yeah, yeah. and memory with it. It's a little thing. Um, I could probably literally remember if I sat down you with a bird guide and you said, wow, have you seen this bird? I could probably recall generally the time and the place I was. So it is, I mean, it's the same as the right. same as those acid laced guitar pedals. <laughs> <laughs> That's a business I'm not idea. sure you're going to remember that. But wow. I was going to say, Josh, we Let's should hop go. on that ASAP. We could follow around the Grateful Dead or whatever uh, like permutation of the Grateful Dead exists and sell these pedals. I think, it, I think it would work. I mean, the same people who are buying guitar pedals yeah. are tripping on acid. I mean, those are one. that's one in the same person. So it's like you might as well just corner that. Right. Market. All people who play guitar do drugs. It's just a fact. Can I? Can I yeah. Call Let's a timeout. I did not prepare for this line of questioning right now. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. You're doing fine, Patrick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this is an aside, like in Shakespeare, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a real quick break here, but when we come back, we're going to really drill Patrick on his drug use. So stay tuned. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Um, okay, listen, before we fly off into everything big year bird related, I would personally love to know a little bit more about what it is you're doing over there, Patrick. What's going on in Michigan? Thanks a lot. Yeah, so I work with the Nature Conservancy. It's the world's largest conservation organization. We're in all the states in the U.S. Um, we're in 80 different countries around the world. And our goal is to conserve the lands and waters in which all life depends. We see a world where diversity of life thrives, where people act to conserve nature for itself and for the sake of nature to enrich our lives. Um, so I, I love working for this organization. I've been here for 15 years. I work in Michigan, um, where we focus on the forests of Michigan. We focus on water in Detroit. We focus on the Great Lakes. We focus on invasive species. Um, the prairies, the incredible coastal areas of the Great Lakes. If you all haven't been here, I'd welcome you to visit anytime. We have some of the most amazing coastline in all of the country from 500 foot dunes to coastal wetlands where in the spring you can see millions upon millions of birds migrating through. So I get to work um, with my great colleagues um, around around the state and conserving the, the lands and waters. Well, you make Michigan sound like the most exotic paradise I've ever heard of in my entire life. Yeah, you got to be working at the tourism board, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a whole tourism thing called Pure Michigan. Wow. Check it out. It's it's it's, it's a hidden gem, but please don't move here. <laughs> I've I've never thought of the word Michigan with such flair. Yeah, uh, and and not to mention um, the great city of Detroit, where uh-huh. uh, you'd be amazed at the the beauty and the progress. You know, some of my favorite times have been taken out on a field trip and take people out. And I, I was on one on Detroit River, and and the person turned to me and looked at me and said, "Wow, I have no idea. I had no idea it looked like." Wow, huh. that, you know, twenty percent of the world's fresh water was moving by them as they were sitting on the on the shores of Detroit, looking out of Detroit 
I got to go to Detroit. We haven't hung out in a bit, Josh. Maybe we should do a Let's trip. Let's go. Tickets are cheap. We're coming, Pat. Hey, yeah, yeah. you know, you, there's a little bit of music there, too, I hear. Yeah, the, the history, too. There. Yeah, and I love Big Sean. Big Sean, baby. Big Sean's uh, from Detroit. So maybe we can hang out with him, Josh, while we're there. Yeah, we'll we hit him up. I got his Twitter handle. <laughs> That's all you need? Yeah, it works. <laughs> okay, um, so this movie is based on a book uh, that came yep. out in 2004, nonfiction book called The Big Year, yep. A Tale of Man, Nature, and Foul Obsession by Mark Obmuskik. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I don't Obmus- Sorry, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Patrick, have you read this book? Is it a fun book? <laughs> you guys are going to make so much fun of me. Can't wait. I did read the book. <laughs> Um, I did read the book before the movie came out back in the day. Um, so I actually read the book and then when the movie came out, sorry, Josh, but I was pretty pumped. You um, loved it. <laughs> I, I don't think I went to a theater and saw it. Was it um, Owen Wilson? You like um, him? No, he likes the birds, dude. Oh, <laughs> oops. <laughs> My bad. But yeah, so I, I read the book and saw the movie. And then watched it again when we got ready for this. So good book and better film, it sounds like. Um, it was fun to read. And again, you know, it's a little bit travel book. It's a little bit of uh, adventure. So, you know, it, it was more on the on the nonfiction side. You know, there was one part in the movie. I don't know if you caught this part where there was the Zantu's hummingbird up in Vancouver, that whole mm-hmm. part in the scene. And they went to the house and they, they jumped the fence. I was living in Olympia, Washington at that time, in that year. And I remember on the birding hotline seeing the Zantu's hummingbird and saying, dang, how am I going to get up to Vancouver? Whoa. That must be such a sick bird alert. You get some <laughs> sick bird alerts on the hotline, I guess, right? <laughs> so I was sitting down rewatching this with my, uh, bird alert. with my wife and my daughter, and I think my son was in the room too. And they looked at me and they're like, what the hell is this hotline thing? <laughs> and like, it took them 10 times to hear it. And I'm like, you know, back in the day, there used to be like literally a phone. If you saw a rare bird, you'd call, you'd leave a message wow. on the answering machine. Wow. Somebody would re-record it and play it on the machine. So you would call in and you'd get to hear the recording of today on uh, November 17th in the northwest corner of the wetland. There was a Eurasian widgeon spotted by wow. Joe. That's crazy. I um, love that. So like <laughs> Joe. <laughs> and then. So, like, literally, there was hotlines all around the country wow. that people would call into. Now, of course, that's completely changed in the past 30 years. And You just Instagram it. You throw it up on the gram. Yo, yeah, look what I yeah. caught. Instagram took over. Exactly. <laughs> Instagram. It's, it's much more instantaneous, Gosh. and there is this, always this spirit of sharing information. Birders are very cooperative and and about sharing all that information. That's nice. It's a n- nice culture. Well, and nowadays with, with 3D printers too, you can just print out whatever bird you want at home. <laughs> right. Uh, and you can do that and then you know, you know, put it out in your yard and maybe hang it in a tree and try to you know, yeah. get, all, get somebody all riled up. Trick yeah. some birders. Put it in front of a green screen. You can do anything with it. Yeah, that bird could be that sucker it. on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> bird spotted on Mars. <laughs> um, one of the big questions that I had was about the like competitive nature of the big year and how they say in the movie that it's all on the old fashioned honor code. Yeah. And I just could not wrap my head around how that's possible. Like, is there no confirmation validation process? Well, I, I don't know. Are you a golfer at all? Right. I mean, it's kind of the nope. same kind of thing you're on. You're, you keep, okay. I guess it's not the same thing. Um, you know what? Yeah, there, there isn't. Make it complex. Um, Make the answer more complex. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, uh, you, know, I'm, uh, you know what? Um, there isn't. Now, 
I'm not saying people don't get skeptical. There might be some people. So I think a lot of, uh, you know, especially in the last few years, a lot of photographic evidence really helps. People tend to go out and take a lot of pictures. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were a if you were a cheat, the word would get around pretty quick. People would know if you're going out again, say, you know, hey, uh, you know, uh, Zantu's hummingbird showed up in my yard the other day. Whoops, it's gone. Sorry, y'all missed it. Right. People would know right away. The code is life. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's going to come back to haunt. Code is life. Code is code. But again, nowadays with the amount of information out there and all kinds of apps and all kinds of trackers and all kinds of online databases. Yeah, Big Bird Brother will be keeping track of where you're at. Do not cheat. Again, going back to one of those lessons you learned in kindergarten. Yeah, stop being a cheat if you're listening to this. Not that any of our listeners would ever cheat. No cheaters. Um, Not a cheating crowd. No. If you're cheating... Turn this off. I don't want you. I don't want you listening. Even. Um, no, I do. And thank you for listening. You've been very um, bad. If let's talk about this uh, snow owl. I think that's what you mentioned, right? That it's your favorite bird. Yeah. And Owen Wilson's character. That's kind of one of his main drives. Is he's trying to see a snow owl really bad, and and it always evades him. So I guess this is like a multi question here. One, why is it your favorite bird? Two, is it truly that difficult? To spot. All right, all right. So first, I'm going to have to correct you because I'm a birder here. It is a snowy owl. Oh shit! You, you really just <laughs> like my whole. You You're got my whole thing calling, man. Snowy um, owl. Got it. You, all right, whew, man. All right, now I can think straight. Yep. Sorry. Um, so you know that that the whole scene was kind of quirky. So what's interesting is snowy owls. They breed way up in the Arctic tundra. You know, way northern Canada, up beyond the trees, up in the tundra. Um, they nest kind of on the ground. It's always light there during the day, so they're feeding and. They have young. Um, they're what's called eruptive. Some years there's plenty of them, and some years there's very few. And it tends to do with how well they, how good of a breeding season, and how many young they had. So if they had a lot of young that year. The whole population tend to have a lot of young. There'll be more owls that come down. In some years they do not reproduce very well, so there won't be that many. Hmm. I don't actually remember from the book, but the kind of thing is, if you're in a poor year. You don't see them that frequently. You may have to go up to like northern Minnesota and Duluth to find one. Yuck. Um, but you know, last year I live in, I live in the Lansing, Michigan area. Um, I saw one on a light pole down near the mall in the grocery store parking lot over top of the highway, sitting on a light pole. Whoa. Wow. Did you so freak out? They're not really that hard to see. I mean, like if you came up and gave, if you came up and visited, I could probably go find one for you today. So that was kind of quirky. It just must have been a bad year. But what was really weird about that scene is when he found these found the snowy owl, he like emerged from the woods by this restaurant and this party all surreptitiously in the middle of the night. I was like, snowy owls, like they're active during the day out in the middle of a farm field. So Got em. a Busted. lot of things like that's some bad science right there. Yeah. Totally. You're nailed telling them. me that I don't need to go to these fancy na- national parks. I could like chill out at the Arby's parking lot and wait for like a double crested eagle to show up or whatever. Um, you know what? You'll never know where you might find something. So first I would, you know, going to put on my business hat. Yes, we would love you to come to visit all kinds of nature, nature conservancy lands and properties around the country because those are some spectacular places. Yeah, they are. However, you know, I sit in my backyard and I've recorded 80 species in my yard in, in suburbia, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I've had bald eagles fly over. Wait a minute. Are you going for a big year? Yeah. <laughs> You're not having a big year, though, right? You're not. Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing a big year? Me either. I'm not doing a big year. I I heard somebody might. I might. I'll let you know. 
I just love birds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I'm just doing it for the love. I have a couple weeks off, so I was just gonna go to a couple nature conservancies and um, see what I see. But I'm not doing a big year. We, or weird, see, weird seeing you all the time. <laughs> Were you guys like? I can ask you you all a question. Like, there were some cool people in this movie. In what way? Like, in people in Houston. Jim Parsons was in this movie. Yep. Wait, who's that? He's the, the guy uh, from the Big Bang Theory. Guy from Big oh, Bang Theory. yeah, that dude. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, small role. I mean, I listen. I'm hard to please. Josh is hard to please. He hates every movie. Um, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> it sucks going to the movie theater with him. He's just yelling the whole time about how everything sucks. Um, but I honestly like the movie. It was a fun, light watch. I, I would say my big recommendation for this, if you are planning on watching this, or if you're like spending some time with family, I feel like it's the perfect movie right. for like a family watch, right? It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a feel-good movie. I don't like feeling good, and I don't have family. <laughs> Right. I forgot that about you. Yeah, yeah. Someone so it's it, it's right on the dinger for me, you know. <laughs> right on the dinger of things the you The dinger. Hate. I got my lifestyle branding down, <laughs> baby. Um, okay. So oh, I wanted to ask you, sorry, going back, sure. when you saw this snowy owl, did you yeah. flip? I mean, what was your reaction? Um, I love snowy owls. So I have two experiences. One is the first time I took my kids to see a snowy owl, and they were we were someplace in Michigan, kind of Western Michigan, and they were sleeping in the car because we were driving back someplace. And I knew one was around. So I stopped the car, got out of the car, put out my spotting scope. You know what a spotting scope is because you've seen the movie. Woke my kid up, bought her back and said, hey, look in here. And she looked and she turned to me and said, daddy, that's a snowy owl. Hell yeah. Oh, man, my heart just melted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so you nice. Know, I did the same thing for my elderly mom and dad. They were probably in their 80s. This was in northeast Ohio one winter, and there was a snowy owl in the town over. And I bought them over and did the same thing. So, like, those memories are, like, burned in my head. And, and you know, wow. thank goodness. That's why I do it. And, man, those, those are two memories that are never going to go away. I love that. Your life is... It's such a big part of your life. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's like it's like marking milestones too. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. I remember. That. I really, I, I think that's so awesome, so fascinating, and I love what you originally said too about just like it gives you an excuse to just get yeah. out into nature and spend time wandering around. Mm-hmm. And I, I really did like, and I've never been into birds specifically before, but after watching this movie, I was like, man, that would actually be such a nice reason to you know, go on different hikes and be able to recognize birds is always really cool to me. Like when somebody yeah. tells me like, oh, that's actually not a blue jay. It's a robin yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know how you know that, but that's awesome. You know, this is so inspiring. I wrote a, jo- a joke just for the occasion. You want to hear the joke? It's about snowy owls. Yeah, you want to hear it? Okay. I'd love to. <laughs> what is a snowy owl's favorite food item at McDonald's? And when we come back, we're going to hear the answer to this hilarious joke from Josh Starkman about snowy owls. Hell yeah. The break is over. Here we go. Back to the show about science. And we're back. And once again, Josh, ramp us up into this joke, Real cliffhanger. You know, I've been feeling so inspired talking to Patrick and just how important birds and conservancy and watching them are in the snowy owl. I wrote this joke. What is a snowy owl's favorite food item off the menu at McDonald's? Patrick, you want to venture a guess? Yeah, I, I, I do not know. French flot. Fr- oh, no. Ethan? <laughs> I was ready. I was ready. No, I but, heard uh, it. I was just going to say okay. something stupid, so go. I didn't, I didn't finish it. It's French flies. 
Awesome. Yeah, you're going to be a great you're going to be a great dad joke. <laughs> well, what do you want me to say? Days. The McRib? They don't even have that on the menu the whole time, Patrick. Yeah, you know, the Snowell. <laughs> dude, that's, it's kind of a predator, man. I was telling you about their nesting. Like if you if you look at a picture of one of their nests, they got like blood dripping up and down their, oh their Yeah, they eat birds, right? I, I eat French fries. Okay. Imagine on. the blood replaced by barbecue sauce. <laughs> okay, Joke listen, works. two things. First of all, once things open back up, Josh, I think you need to start doing stand-up. And then right after your jokes, no matter what the response, you need to yell at the audience that like, what do they want? <laughs> you want this you punchline? Want? You want this punchline? That's stupid. It's a choose your own adventure kind of. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. Out. And then you'll redo the joke with whatever they want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then number two, I read briefly uh, when I did some little research that some animals yeah. will actually eat their prey whole. Is that true? Oh my God. Yeah, they can scarf it right down. Um, yeah, they can just take Ooh. it. They're catching a small mouse or something like that. They're just woofing it right down. Ooh. Now, the great thing about them then is that they collect all those little the fur and the bones. They don't really digest them. So they kind of sit in their gut until they've had a few in a row. And then they kind of cough up a fur ball, not like a cat, you know, not unlike a cat. And so it's a big uh, hunk of fur and, and bones all shattered together. And they kind of puke that back up and spit it out. So nice. wow. if you actually were able to find an owl nest underneath it, you're going to find all these little pellets, they call them. Wow. And you could dissect those pellets and pull them apart and find all kinds of animal bones in them. It's fertilizer. All the like the calcium and the minerals and the bones yeah, yeah. goes right it's back in. Kind of disgusting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, beauty's in the eye of the beholder, Patrick. It is. <laughs> you could probably bag that stuff and sell it on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> Joins your uh, garage sale. I've been trying to sell all your junk. <laughs> I, have a, I have a lot of junk. Oh, wait, I had a question. All right. Sure. Is that okay, Ethan? May please, I? please, please, please. Okay, Patrick. Yes. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana. You may be familiar with this region yep. as far as birds go. You were talking about scarfing. Pelicans are big scarfers. Do they actually scarf or is it more of just like the big beak is for show? Oh, no. Have you haven't watched them diving down? Good. You need to get out to the beach. That's a lot of water they get in there. Yeah. So they, they come down, they'll fly, and they might be 30 feet up in the air, and they'll see some fish swimming, uh -huh. and they'll open that beak and dive down and fill that sucker up, like just dive in there, fill it all up with water. Oh. And they'll hold whatever fish they caught there and slowly let the water water seep out and then they'll suck it all down. So that's that. And I think that is officially called scarfing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It's the state bird and it's on the flag and it's like killing something on the flag. It's really pretty, really metal. It's a metal bird. Nice. Violent. Yeah. No, they're, they, you know, and, and the cool thing about pelicans is back in the 70s, they were pretty endangered back because DDT was hurting their eggs is thinning the shells of the eggs and once we ban that pesticide there's i mean you can't you can probably trip over some pelicans down there yeah there's a ton like on the river and the lake like you know you don't even need to get out of town yeah a great conservation story of a species that you know was having some problems back in the 70s but quickly we were able to rehabilitate that i didn't know that i'm learning yeah. There you go. Yeah. Learning science. 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 Yeah. <laughs> Listening to scientists actually works and can save species. Yeah. Listening to scientists also say science is just a really warm, fuzzy feeling. Yeah, that's true. Can always use that <laughs> oh, once a day. Um, listen, I would be a terrible host if I didn't segue this scarfing talk into the scarf scene in the film, where they're basically like mopping up 
fish guts or something with a scarf yeah. and then a woman goes outside with the scarf and just gets mm. bombarded <laughs> by <laughs> birds so yeah was that accurate or did you have an issue there that that might be a little on the bad science like when we say bad science do you have like a little bell that dings or anything like that or if it's like uh, you know, we should josh you want to add a sound effect to that yeah that'll be uh, maybe a little on the bad side i mean they are, they are, this is when they're on the two island, which is like the westernmost island in the um, Alaskan archipelago. Now, maybe if you were on the Jersey shore and you had a bag of bread and, you know, the, the, the gulls were around there and you dropped your sandwich, you might have a, a bunch come. But, you know, they're, they're out there pretty much wilderness, extremely remote. Yeah, it smells, but that one was a little bit of an exaggeration. We'll, we'll call that one poetic license. I would not expect... That they were really playing into the fact that Steve Martin's character didn't have a sense of smell because of cocaine or whatever the reason was. I don't I remember what. I don't know what was, was happening happening <laughs> in New York City in those days. But right, uh, yeah, 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 they were finance guy. <laughs> finance guy. It's all you have to say. He puked because of the smell earlier in the movie um, when they were on the boat too. So I'm not. Hmm. That's right. I think we identified something wrong with the movie. What a confusing movie. Yeah, Ugh. that might be the only thing wrong. The only with thing it. that makes sense is birds. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of the movie's such a mind trip. <laughs> it's like taking it's like taking bad acid, which you won't get in these pedals that I'm selling. <laughs> we have the highest grade acid on these guitar <laughs> yeah, pedals. Not a bad trip at all. You won't puke. Yeah. And honestly, the wah feature is pretty solid too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the pedal still works. It's it's a fine condition, you know. Jimi Hendrix used the wah pedal, so doesn't that interest you to buy it? Yeah, get on there right now. Josh Starkman and Ethan Edinburg guitar pedals with acid dot com. Um, is that island you were talking about Atu A T T U? Yeah. Do you know about that? Because that seemed like a really mysterious location to me. It was like super isolated, but then the birders like called it paradise because they see a lot of birds there. Yeah. This, uh... It's a weird spot. So, you know, I think that used to be an outpost, like a military outpost, because it was the closest to right. Russia and, and Japan. And it's kind of quirky things like, all right, so birders are going to the edges of the world just to see something that might be from Asia or Europe, because they might end up there and, you know, not migrate all the way down to Seattle or something. So it's it's very remote. It has some things that you're only going to see there because really they're birds that are of 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 russia or japan or something mm -hmm. so it's kind of you know or or people might go you know the southernmost texas because they might see a mexican species that happens to get there that species might be like dirt common in mexico or dirt common in japan but it just happens to show up there so it kind of counts and so that's the quirkiness right. of it it is a spectacular place unto itself um it's a, it's an amazing place some of these islands are incredible places where where the breeding um, populations of a lot of species are, 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 are they're the most common there and they're pretty pretty endangered species um so these islands are, are absolutely amazing um and there are trips out there i think the island actually closed to trips in the early 2000s around the kind of 9 11 time mm -hmm. um and i think it was closed from 2000 2010 and then I think it's opened up for tours. I'm not sure if they're still going on, but if you want to go there, you're like dropping $10,000 to get out there and, and be in an old barracks and probably not have much of it. No, I'm going to Michigan. That's my next trip. Yeah, there, the there exotic paradise of Michigan. Pure, pure Michigan. So, so I have another question. Sure. Um, living where I live, we're in somewhat of this migratory pattern that's somewhat well-known yep. from north to south through this area. In to like to Mexico, and apparently butterflies yep. take the same migratory pattern. Is they, this yep. true? 
That is what, true. Can you explain yeah. what this migratory pattern is? I know it goes through like the Atchafalaya River Basin and all. Yeah. You know, in the um, movie, they mispronounce Natchitoches, which oh. is a town in Louisiana. Oh, that probably hurt. Yeah. yeah. It grinded my bones, really. So there was some cool, you know, this gets to the, those scenes in there when they were talking about the fallout. So mm-hmm. a lot of our birds, especially kind of our small songbirds, um, warblers and, and different kinds of tanagers and all kinds of small songbirds, they migrate and they, they breed in North America. They might breed in Michigan or further north in here, and they send their winters down in the tropics. They might be anywhere in any of our Caribbean islands. They might be down in Argentina or Brazil. So these birds are making this annual migration come up here for breeding season, starting about April and May. You know, build their nests, have their young, starting about August, September, they migrate back down south. And so when they're making that migration, a lot of them are crossing over the Gulf of Mexico. And these are small birds. I mean, these birds weigh 10 ounces. And so I don't know if you know what 10 ounces, but like think like three nickels in your hand. That's about 10 ounces. And so they're they're eating a lot. They got to fatten up, have a lot of fat stores. And they're making these great migrations thousands of miles every single year, twice a year. And so places where you live, like on the Gulf Coast of New Orleans, it's the first land after they've spent flying all night long and they're tired and exhausted and hungry. So they're landing there. So all that natural habitat along your coast there is right. prime habitat for all these migrations. Super fertile. Yeah. So how, how do they last so long? How long is a journey over the Gulf? Because they don't follow Mexico up through Texas. They go directly they go straight, straight over right? the Gulf. So they can make that fl- they can make that flight straight in, I don't know, but within a day. Yeah, it's not like multiple what? days a year. So they can make that, they could probably fly, fly three, four, five hundred miles in a day. Oh my goodness. Wow. Like these little tiny packets, they're basically little tiny packets of energy. So by the time they get they get there, they're exhausted. Do they know how to find like the jet stream or some sort of like air I don't um, know, highway? Yeah, they can a lot of these birds, especially the bigger ones, the hawks and, and, and things that are also migrating, um, they're gonna go when pretty much the weather's favorable. Um, they might fuel up on the whatever the kind of south edge. And take off when there is a good um, weather pattern um, and, and the winds are blowing in the right direction. But that doesn't always work. Right. And nature is also calling them. So they might ignore some of those uh, some of those signals and dive right into it. Wow. Um, and again, that, that scene about the fallout, when they were flying over, all of a sudden a weather pattern comes in that's pushing against them. And so they're using all their energy to get there. And they're just looking for any spot of land where they can land and, and rest and refuel. Oh. Wow. I'm just wondering if like animals so small can just in a day, that's in, incredible butterflies, you know? Yeah, no, it, the, the migrations, there was also talking there about that Pacific golden plover. Or, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Right. He said it's the greatest traveler in the world. Yeah, it is. It's, it's one of them. Um, there's a few others like an Arctic tern. It also makes these incredible migrations. But yeah, it's, it's flying from, um, again, the tundra all the way down to Argentina and back again. So it's maybe like, I don't know, it's like 10,000 miles in a year it can cover. <laughs> Um, the round trip. Yeah. And why can't we fly? Yeah. Why can't um, we fly? Because that's annoying. There's yeah. probably something evolutionary in there. Um, maybe no wings. Maybe your dense bones. Maybe our, our chubby cheeks. I do not know. Yeah. They have hollow bones, right? Um, yeah. They're very light bones. Um, and again, they have the ability to put on fat and take it off. And so, you know, before they're preparing for these migrations, they're putting on um, their body weight and fat. There's even some evidence up there that they lose some of their brain power and ability to sing and forget some of those things at the cost of adding on fat to their body. Um, so they're making some crazy trade-offs. Um, and again, it's like, why the heck does that work? Why would you spend all that energy? Why wouldn't you just hang out for the year? Wow. 
Well, you know, it has to do with food and weather and temperature. Well, I mean, when someone gains weight, their singing voice changes pitch. Yeah. As well. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's wow. Birds. All kinds of cool yeah. things. And I would happily forget some of the crap songs that I've written if I could fly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they used uh, they used a piano cover of the song Blackbird yes, in this movie, and I was just wondering to myself what was the origin for that song? Where did that song come from? Do you know about this, Josh? You're a you're a music guy. Yeah, I can tell the story. Please. Yeah, I think uh, Paul McCartney wrote it for uh, a civil rights activist that was a woman. Yes. That, that's what I know. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I found too. Yeah, it was uh, civil rights struggles happening in the U.S. in 1968. He was mm-hmm. reading about it in a newspaper and wrote that. And then the guitar-wise, it was like based on that very famous Bach prelude. Oh yeah, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. And I thought here, since Josh, you are an exceptional guitar player, you could regale us with your own version. Let's see. It'll be instrumental. Let me grab my guitar. Okay, perfect. Where does he keep the guitar? In the shower? I mean, it's a scary question to ask, honestly. (laughs) Freak. Gorgeous, Josh. Absolutely wow. beautiful. How, uh, it's one of the best songs ever. Am I right? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. Perfect. You know who else though? Who else that was featured and licensed to have their song in that movie that are also incredible masters of their craft? Coldplay. 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 Viva La Vida was very heavily featured. <laughs> yeah, this is like a ten-year-old movie. Um, okay, well, we're running short on time, but before we go, I found one fact I wanted to insert patrick do you know how the bassian thrush finds food it's a joke <laughs> oh you got jokes too nice no no this is not a joke oh. i do not know that one you you've stumped the chump <laughs> no you're a scientist man yeah you're you happen to be talking with two chumps and i apologize for that <laughs> yeah, i yeah, read yeah. that the worm eating bassian thrush has been known to dislodge their prey from piles of leaves by directing their farts at them birds fart I thank you for sharing. I did not know that one. Okay. Wait a second. How much more time do we have? Uh, yeah, I, you're going to enter in a whole new arena that I <laughs> don't, not familiar with. I hear they poop and pee at the same time, right? That's how birds do it? Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Science! Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> this is what everyone cool. was waiting for, Patrick. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that's, that's a new one. That's a new one to me, yeah. Have you been I'm, pooped on? Uh, yeah, yes. I mean, come on. It's, it's the nature of the game. I was an ornithologist for a little bit, did a lot of field work. You have catch birds in nets and handle them. Fancy little bands. Yeah, they poop all over you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Different birds have different consistency, right? For, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's all special. loving father you were just an amazing person (laughs) there was also a scene in there speaking of poop which is a good way to go because it'll really grow your younger audience here um there was a scene of the skua the skua bird which is really a mean nasty bird and part of their name means the hunter of dung because they chase other birds and make other birds drop their food, and then they pick up their food. And back in the old days, when it got its name as the hunter of dung, people thought it was making other birds poop and then eating their poop. So just to tie that back into the movie. Great. um, There you go. 
like a poop detective. The hunter of dung. I mean, Josh, number one, we definitely need to pull the trigger on this acid guitar pedal idea. But number two, <laughs> we got to write a movie of the hunter of dung or... I am hunter of dung. Or poop detective. I don't know. The soundtrack for poop detective would probably be more like black exploitation, like a, a funky, really funky soiree. I've been working this beat for too long. <laughs> There's poop all over this town. <laughs> yeah, this place is covered in... I'm not going to curse. Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to find that poop. I'm going to put it behind bars. <laughs> um, listen, I uh, I thank you both so much for, for being on the program. Josh, you have exploded your uh, Have a Great Day video. So you want to just explain that to people, how they can find them, uh, because it's, it's truly a, a, a delight. Oh, thank you. Uh, so I live here in New Orleans, Louisiana. I'm a musician. And I make videos with people who are talented or just cool or fun. And it's all about just enjoying yourselves and bringing joy to your day. And uh, have a great day is the thing I say in each video. And you can find it on Instagram with under my name, Joshua Starkman. And then also, also on TikTok or Facebook, all those things. It's just about, you know, highlighting different people and the culture of the city, too. So, yeah, it's fantastic. Have a fantastic great day. Stuff. Have a great day with Josh. He's the best. Uh, we're going to take an awesome trip to Michigan. Woo! Patrick, uh, something you want to tell people about a way they can get involved, help save the world? Yeah, more than love your support for the Nature Conservancy. You can visit us on nature.org. Um, again, we have we have chapters in every single state across the country. Uh, wonderful nature preserves out there. Please look us up. And again, you know, getting back to the birds, it all relies upon a little bit of habitat, um, a little bit of climate resiliency and anything you can do to help support conservation organizations. Um, and just, you know, please get outside. You're going to you're going to see you're going to experience you're going to refresh yourself. You will have a great day. Oh, man tied the whole thing together. I wow. Love it. What a, yeah. Uh, I've donated to nature.org. I didn't even know that that was who you were with. So apologies, but thank you. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you all. And you know, I can tell. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I can tell y'all are a little interested in some birds. And 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 yeah, yeah Josh, you, you the, by the questions you're asking, you're all you're all funny and everything. But then when you started asking those bird questions, man, you're like like a dagger. Oh, dude, I love birds. I grew up on a man-made lake in Florida. There's tons Perfect. of like different kinds of birds, and my my yeah. mom bought me like a a little card with like uh, drawings of the birds. So I started <laughs> learning the name egrets and herons yeah. and tricolored herons and uh, coots and. Everglades birds, you know? Dang. All right. Well, you were both fantastic. A delight to speak to you. And uh, and yeah, hopefully we can speak again about birds. Till then, have a good one. Have a good year. Have a good big year, guys. Yeah. Have a big year, guys. Well, I'm not having a big, a big year. Yeah. yeah I mean, no, 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 no. I'm not either. <laughs> have a great day. Take care, guys. Bye. Bad Science is a Seeker podcast produced by Emily Feld and me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our editor is Lucas Bollinger, and our social media is managed by Blue Whale Media. Shout out to EJ and Kate. I think I got the bird sound in there. And the executive peregrine falcon deucer is Brett Kushner. Oh, follow us on Instagram at BadSciencePod. If there's a movie you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, feel free to email at BadScienceAtSeeker.com. That's BadScienceAtSeeker.com. And please leave us an iTunes review. Give us five stars. I sound like an Uber driver, but we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Bye.